0: Well, today it is my privilege to uh, meditate on the Word of God with you. So I want to invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to be in verse 12 today. Exodus 20, verse 12. And I want to wish you a happy Mother's Day as well. I've put this rose up here uh, in uh, memory of my own mom who went home to the Lord four years ago. Uh, but this is here also uh, for your mother and for those of you who are moms. Uh, this is supposed to be a white carnation, but uh, that's the real symbol for Mother's Day. Uh, but white roses will do. I'm sure my mom would be quite pleased, and I'm sure yours would be too. But this this tradition of, of Mother's Day began 104 years ago, uh, in Grafton, West Virginia. It's only about three hours due west of here. It's a, it's a nice little town. I've been there uh, a bunch of times throughout my life. Uh, th- this tradition began at a church called St. Uh, Andrew's Methodist Episcopal Church. It was on uh, Main Street right there in the middle of the town. And a woman named Anna Jarvis uh, started this tradition Uh, Her mother, by the way, was born in Culpeper, and she loved her mother dearly, dearly. and so what she wanted was a day to be set aside uh, to remind children of any age, uh, to say from their hearts the things that maybe have been left unsaid, and so here we are a century later. We're celebrating Mother's Day. We buy flowers and candy. We make reservations at nice restaurants so mom won't have to cook today. Uh, We want our mothers to know that they're loved, and rightly so. We can easily, uh, as Christians, find spiritual significance in Mother's Day too, and in Father's Day as well, since God is the one who created the family in the first place. And days like today remind us of a couple of really basic things about God and about who we are as his people. And we will find today that God has some very clear instructions for us within the family. And so that's what we're going to focus on today as we remember the fifth commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. This is one simple sentence that's packed with a whole lot of meaning and maybe even some challenge for us. And so let me read it for us. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The word of the Lord. Well, here's how we're going to go about understanding this commandment. First, we're going to take a look at the context. Uh, What's the biblical foundation for this command? And what does its place in the Ten Commandments tell us? Second, we're going to spend a little time understanding exactly what honor means in this context and also what it does not mean. And then finally, we're going to strive to understand how you and I are to obey this commandment. And the big idea or premise of this command is really simple. It's right there in the text, isn't it? Honor your mom and dad. Honor them. And yet we might find our take-home lesson to be a bit of a challenge because God tells us to honor our mom and dad no matter who they are because doing so honors God. And so as we dig in, I think... We, we need to understand something very important uh, right off the top. I can guarantee you that right now there's a wide range of emotion that's coursing through this congregation. And that's because what you're feeling right now depends largely on who your parents are or were. Some of us have had great mothers and fathers. Our relationships with them were, were, was fantastic. They were godly men and women who were kind and gentle. They always disciplined correctly. They always took care of us and nurtured us. They never perplexed us. They never said a cross word to us. And so you may be sitting here feeling as though they were or are nearly perfect parents. And as you read this commandment, you're thinking, well, of course. They deserve my honor. Absolutely. But on the other hand, On the other hand, some of us have a bit of a knot in our stomachs right now, and for good reason. Some of our parents, one or both of them, they hurt us deeply in a variety of ways. You might not have warm feelings for your mom and dad at all. In fact, you might be harboring a great deal of resentment toward them. And that's because there was abuse or neglect or heartbreak and brokenness. You might be looking back at a lot of bad memories. And some of us might even be living through those things right now. And so, frankly, you dread days like today. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Father's Day. Are you kidding me? And so you're really wishing this sermon was about any other passage in the Bible except for this one. You're thinking there's just no way that I can honor my mom and my dad. But, you know, I think a lot of us live somewhere in between those two extremes. Our parents did a, a good job raising us. They provided for us as best they could. And we're truly grateful uh, for, for, for the way that they raised us, even though our parents were, were, they made some mistakes along the way, but they did a good job. And so we're thinking, yeah, I think I can put away my hurts and, and, and honor my mom today. I can honor my dad. I think I owe them at least that much. But brothers and sisters, I think the thing for all of us to realize is that this commandment is for all of us, regardless of our age or even regardless of who our parents are or even were. And that's because in the context of the broad narrative of the Bible, honoring our fathers and mothers is woven into the fabric of life for God's people. This commandment is rooted in the fact that God created the human family. And as we dig in now to understand this command, the biblical context of the fifth commandment is that it's rooted in God's created order. We see this, among other places, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. God, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And then it goes on to say, and have dominion over all of it, right? But you see, the point here is is that God created the human family, and there's nothing like the human family. He created husband and wife, and he told them to multiply. And so we see the, uh, this, this is the immediate pattern that's established by Adam and Eve. It's this idea of the family, and we see it all through Scripture. And so the family, is, as God created it, is the foundational institution of human society. Husband and wife are equal in that each is an image bearer of God. Each has a different role, but together, as mom and dad, they take on the role of authority within the family. Now, of course, because we're sinners by nature, uh, both fathers and mothers can corrupt the family. Children who dishonor parents and and others uh, uh, of God's commands can do the same thing. You know, we see this from the get-go. Adam and Eve sin, right? And then we have the first marital conflict. Adam tries to pass the buck by blaming his wife. They have two sons, and what happens to them? One kills the other and so on. All through Scripture, we see broken families, fathers and mothers and children who are violating God's created order. I think a lot of us understand this all too well, whether it's because of our own parents' failings or because of our own failings. When dad isn't a godly husband or father, the family falls apart. I've learned that the hard way at times. When I've not been a godly man, there's been trouble in the family. When mom isn't fulfilling her role as wife and mother, chaos ensues. I think here's a way we can think about this. On Friday, Leslie's computer, which is getting some age on it, it stopped working right. The diagnostic software that I ran told me that the hard drive was found corrupt and needs to be repaired. And so because of that corruption, it's not going to work until everything is restored to its original condition. Well, this is the same thing that happens to families. Mom or dad are corrupted by sin, and until they're restored to God through repentance and, and the blood of Jesus Christ, their brokenness affects the whole family. And until then, the family cannot function the way that it should. And likewise, when children of any age don't honor their parents, the family is corrupted. The family cannot function properly when the children don't honor their parents. But you know, the the important thing for us is to remember is that our sin doesn't mean that God's design is bad. Our sin doesn't negate the holiness of God. Our sin doesn't mean that we need to reinvent the family. What our sin means is that we need to be restored to holiness. We need to be restored to holiness so that God's created order can function as it should. And so as we fast forward to, from Genesis to Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, we see that God establishes the proper order within the family according to his holiness. Honor your father and your mother. This is one of the Ten Commandments that Conrad read earlier. And there are three reasons that God gives us the Ten Commandments. The first one is so that God can reveal his holy character and nature to us. Secondly, God gives us the Ten Commandments because he wants us to know how to relate to him. The first four commands are all about God. You shall have no other gods or idols. You shall revere God's name. You shall remember the Sabbath. All of these have to do with our relationship with God. And then the third reason that God gives us the Ten Commandments is because he wants us to know how to relate to each other based on our relationship with our holy God. And so the remaining six commandments are honor your father and mother, don't murder, don't commit adultery or steal or give false testimony, and don't covet other people's stuff. You see, all of these things have to do with our relationships with each other in light of who God is. And so God reveals his holiness to us in these commandments. And since God is holy, his commands are right and just, right? And that means that when we obey these commands, they're always good for us. Does God ever tell us to do anything that's bad for us? No. And so as God's image bearers, he expects us to be holy too. You see, the the standard of holy living that was in place before the fall in the Garden of Eden still stands. Our sin hasn't modified God's holiness or what he expects of us. But of course, we are sinners. We are sinners. And every one of us has violated at least several of these commandments, right? So in giving us His law, God is demonstrating to us perhaps the most important thing of all, and that is that we need His grace. We ultimately need a Savior, not only to save us from the wrath of God, but also to restore us to repair our corrupted hard drives so that we can learn to function as holy people again. These Ten Commandments are the uncorrupted code for holiness. These are the non-negotiables. These are the absolutes of God's law that He never wants us to overlook or forget. And this, in fact, is the core of the law that Christ fulfilled by living a perfect life. In fact, when Jesus was 12 years old, he submitted to his parents too. He honored them. We read all about this in Luke chapter 2. You remember the story when his parents are looking for him for three days and they become exasperated and they, they find him in the temple with the teachers and they say, son, it's time to go home. And so Jesus obeys his parents. He goes home with them. And Luke reports to us that he was submissive to them. Can you imagine that? The Lord of all creation submitting to his parents. And then, of course, at the end of his life, as he hangs on the cross, he makes sure that his mother is taken care of by by giving her to the disciple whom he loved. And so even in this fifth commandment, Christ lived a perfect, sinless life. A life that, that because of our sinful nature is just absolutely impossible for us to live, which is, of course, why we need Christ to restore us. And yet, and yet, these remain the Ten Commandments. These are not the Ten Suggestions, are they? You know, we love to joke about this, you know, the Ten Suggestions, and we, and we laugh about this. But have you ever thought about the significance of thinking of the Ten Commandments as suggestions? Have you ever thought about what happens to God in our own minds when we have that attitude? And so let's go through the commandments and let's compare what God really has in mind to what we end up thinking about God when we think of these as suggestions. So God starts off and he says, don't have any gods or idols besides me. Unless, of course, wealth and comfort and status and and a golden calf make you happier. Because I understand that I may not be all that interesting to you. Only speak my name in a reverent way and only use it carefully. Unless, of course, you need to give the appearance of telling the truth and swearing by my name will make it look like that you are. And then, of course, if you get really mad, you can just throw my name around like dirt because I know that sometimes you just can't help yourself. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Set, a time, set aside time just for me to rest because I rested too. And now that Christ has come, remember that he is your Sabbath. He is your rest. Unless, of course, something else satisfies you more, which I would totally understand. Honor your father and mother, unless, of course, you think they don't deserve it. I understand that my created order really should be changed when it doesn't suit you or it makes you uncomfortable. Don't murder unless somebody gets in your way. Don't commit adultery unless the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence. Don't steal unless there's something you really want and it's worth it to you to dishonor and disrespect the hard work of another person because after all, sometimes you just have to take priority over other people. Don't give false testimony unless it's to your own advantage, of course, because making somebody suffer for a lie, it really doesn't bother me if it doesn't bother you. don't covet well unless your neighbor uh, what your neighbor has proves to you that i don't love you enough to give you what you need and if what i've given you really doesn't satisfy you anymore do you see what this reveals about ourselves because we do think like this sometimes and do you do you see how diminishing these commands diminishes god in our minds this is at the heart of our sin Just as Adam and Eve believed the serpents lie, oh, you will surely not die. We go around doubting God's word and we say, well, surely these commands can't be absolute. I mean, there gotta be exceptions to the rule because there are some practical considerations here. And yet, isn't the chaos of this world a result of mankind's dismissal of God's law? Why is there so much crime? Why are there so many religions? Why is the divorce rate so high? And why are fewer people getting married and more of them are living together and just forgetting the idea of marriage at all? Why is there so much trouble in our families and so on? Well, it's all because we as the human race, we don't take God seriously. This is why we're sinners, right? And yet, There are no exceptions to God's law. That's why he wrote them in stone. He wrote them in stone to demonstrate how permanent and unchanging his holiness is. And so when God commands us to worship only him, he means it absolutely. When he commands us not to steal, he means it absolutely. And when he commands us to honor our father and our mother, he means it absolutely. And because this is an absolute command, that means that our honor for mom and dad doesn't depend on who they are, does it? It doesn't depend on how we feel about them. Now, we might object here and say that this commandment only pertains if, if the parents are believers. This command is given to God's people. And in the New Testament, even when Paul quotes it in Ephesians, he's talking to Christians. Well, sure, some of that's true. But let me ask you something. Have you ever met a perfect parent, a believer or not? Is there a perfect parent in this room? Raise your hand. Were the ancient Hebrews perfect parents? Were parents perfect in the early church? Are bad parents a modern invention? I don't think so. Besides, neither in the Old Testament or the New Testament does it say, honor only your believing parent, but dishonor the unbelieving one. In fact, we see passages where it says for us to respect uh, unbelievers, to approach them with gentleness and respect. So this command is actually connected to God's created order, and it's absolute, and it has to do with your relationship with God, not who your parents are. So we owe our parents honor, not because of their character, whether it's good or bad, but because of God's character. And because when we honor our parents, we're we're honoring the roles and authority that God has established from the very beginning. You see, this commandment is not about your parents. This commandment is about you just as all of them are. These commands are about who you are in relationship with your holy God. And so that's the context of this command. God established the family as the basic unit of human life. And he, uh, and he gives authority over children to mom and dad. And as children, whether we're five or 50 years old, God commands us to honor our parents. But what does honor mean anyway? What does it mean exactly to honor our parents? Well, the Hebrew word is kbed, which means to honor and esteem. It means to regard with great respect. The root of the word conveys the idea of heaviness or weightiness. And so to paraphrase kbed in Exodus 20.12, we should view our parents with really a sense of gravity, a seriousness, a deep respect. You see, God expects us to hold them in esteem because of the role that he's given them. And so in the minds of the Hebrews who are standing at the base of Mount Sinai receiving this command, they would hear something like this. Honor, respect, care for, and obey your parents their whole lives because God has made them your mother and your father. And the beautiful thing is, as with all of God's commands, is that this command is good for us. It's good for both parents and for children. Children who respect their parents learn to respect authority in general, and they become productive members of society. Children who honor their parents also take care of them into old age, and this is where the benefit uh, is lifelong for parents. You know, I think in our youth-driven culture, it's easy for us to forget that we all have value in God's eyes. We just saw uh, a glimpse of the special needs ministry. Uh, You know, uh, people our own age have value in God's eyes. People who are younger have value in God's eyes, and so do people who are older. You see, the ancient Hebrews understood this. They understood that this command meant to take care of aging parents and to value them. And you know, a lot of us are doing that right now. A lot of us are looking after aging parents. We're calling them on a regular basis, checking in with them, uh, making sure they're okay. We're providing for them the kind of uh, housing that they need and the health care that they need. Some of us are taking long trips uh, to go and see moms and dads uh, who uh, need our help. And so you're fulfilling this commandment and doing all of those things. And so for the ancient Hebrews, caring for aging, aging parents tied directly into the promise that's given in the second half of our verse. We honor our father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So caring and honoring uh, parents into old age meant living in loyalty to the covenant that God had made with his people, that he would give them the promised land and allow them to keep it if they obeyed him. And in fact, later on, uh, we see that one of the reasons that God sent his people into the Babylonian exile is because children stopped honoring their parents. We see this in Ezekiel 22.7. Father and mother are treated with contempt in you. But practically speaking, a son or a daughter and You know, husband and wife who support parents in this way are also teaching their own children to honor their parents so that they could reasonably expect their children to take care of them in return. And this is the beauty of God's design, isn't it? Everybody is taken care of when we live according to God's created order. That's just what happens. It's the blessing of God's command. And so to honor our parents means to take care of them. It means to hold them in high esteem because of the role that God has given them. But I think that what honor does not mean is just as important as what it does mean, because we can confuse ourselves, especially when it comes to obeying parents. And I think Paul helps us to clarify the issue in Ephesians 6.1 when he tells children to to honor uh, their parents, quoting from Exodus 20.12. And so in Ephesians 6.1, he says, "'Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right.'" And I think the key phrase is, "'In the Lord.'" I see two aspects to that phrase. The first is similar to what Paul says to bond servants, just a few verses later, that their obedience should be done with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to men. And so children ought to obey parents in the Lord in the same way, with sincere hearts in service to Christ. But I see a second aspect of in the Lord, and that is that honoring and obeying parents doesn't mean to do everything they say, if that includes denying your faith or disobeying God. It certainly cannot mean agreeing with their sin, right? Because we can't serve Christ by sinning and agreeing with sin. I think a good, a good biblical analogy is the fact that no government on earth has authority except that God has given it authority. Remember Romans 13.1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. And so that even though that God uses every governing authority to accomplish his will, that doesn't mean, of course, that God condones or agrees with everything a government does, right? And in fact, when a government commands us to deny our God or to stop doing what God has called us to do, God comes first, right? This is the situation that Peter and the apostles find themselves in when the Jewish authorities are telling them to stop preaching in Acts 5.29 Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. All to say the same principles hold true with our parents. The authority that they have comes from God. And so even though God gives parents authority, he's not giving them permission to abuse that authority. There's no justification in God's eyes at all for a parent to abuse or neglect or to sin as parents. Sin is always sin. Amen? And it is sin whether a government abuses power or whether a parent abuses power. And it can never be condoned and it can never be explained away. And so when a parent is abusing a child, they need to repent. They need to come to the Lord and they need to turn away from their sin. And we as God's people should do all that we can to help them to come to that place and to bring uh, those sins to justice even if it means in a court of law. Parents' authority does not give them the right to sin. Even so, Just as God calls us to submit to the authority of a government and to respect that government and pray for that government, we are still called to hold our parents in proper godly esteem. Not too much and not too little, not because of their actions, not because of their character, but because of the role that God has given us. And that means that our honor for our parents is not based on our feelings. Honoring our parents doesn't mean that we have to like them. Honoring our parents doesn't mean that we have to agree with them. You know, I think over the last couple of decades, we have lost the ability in our culture to honor people in their roles. Today, we think that they need to agree with us before we can honor and respect them. And so everybody from police officers to politicians to parents are disrespected because we confuse honor and respect with agreement and like-mindedness. And so I think this idea of honor is a lost art that we need to relearn. And the foundation to that art is first and foremost to agree with God. You see, when we honor our parents, we're agreeing with God. We're trusting that his created order is right, that it's correct, and that it's holy. Honor for our parents comes from the fact that we love God more than anything else. And all we want to do in this life is to bring him glory. So this is not about who our parents are. It's about who we are. It's about whether we're God's children who trust that all of his commands are for our good and for his glory. Now, of course, we've got to acknowledge something here. It is absolutely icing on the cake when we love and adore our parents. That's a wonderful blessing. And that blessing comes especially in Christian families because Christian parents are are able to love their children in a way that brings them dignity and love and, and respect. And likewise, children are raised to honor their parents. And so today, if that's your mom, it's good and right to lavish her with your expressions of love and affection, to give her flowers and candy and take her out to dinner, right? And we should be thanking God profusely when we've got moms who deserve that kind of praise. And yet at the same time, we've got to be careful not to idolize our parents too, right? Because after all, the second commandment, you shall have no idols. And so to think too highly of our parents is to give them a place on a pedestal that only God deserves. This is exactly what the Israelites did with the golden calf. They put the golden calf on a pedestal where God des- uh, that God deserved because they were so desperate to worship a God they could see. And yet at the same time, God isn't commanding you to have warm and fuzzy feelings about your parents, especially if one or both of them mistreated you. What God does expect of us is an attitude of honor and respect for our parents because he made them our parents, What God wants is for us to honor him in this way. He wants us to understand that he's used every single situation in our lives for our good somehow. You see, this is what honor is about. It's about esteem and respect for the role that God has given our parents, imperfect as they are. And so ultimately, honoring mom and dad have to do with who we are. And that we want to bring honor and glory to our great God. But how do we do this? How do we honor mom and dad no matter who they are because doing so honors God? How do we do this? How do we honor our parents given the fact that none of them is perfect? How do we honor our parents given the fact that none of us is perfect either? How can we honor them, given the fact that we can hold our parents in either too high esteem or too low? How can we obey this command, much less any of the others, when our very nature absolutely guarantees that we're sinners? How can we do this? Well, I think Paul has the answers for us in 2 Corinthians 3. Paul is making a contrast between his own ministry of the Holy Spirit through Christ, which saves, and the ministry of Moses, which is the letter of the law, which cannot save. He acknowledges that the law of Moses condemns us because we cannot live it out perfectly, right? And he even calls it the ministry of death for those who rely on it apart from the saving grace of Christ. And he compares the temporary glory of the law to the permanent glory of Christ. He describes how how when Moses came down off Mount Sinai, his face just glowed from being in the presence of God. And he says the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of his glory. And so Moses covers his face with a veil every single time he comes down from Mount Sinai to tell the people what God had said. And so Paul goes on to say that this is the tradition of the Jews to cover uh, their face whenever they read from God's law. The veil remains in place for the Jews who haven't received Christ. Beginning in verse 14, he says, For to this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And brothers and sisters, when that veil has been removed because of our faith in Christ, because of the blood of Christ, a glorious and supernatural thing happens to us. And we read about this in verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Isn't that incredible? A supernatural thing happens because of our faith in Jesus Christ. We are being transformed, brothers and sisters. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. Because the veil has been removed, we can experience God in a way that the ancient Jews could not. And the fact is that whenever we encounter God, it is impossible for us not to be changed in our inner being. Even though we don't yet see God face to face, the glory we do see since Christ has lifted the veil, that glory is changing us into a likeness of Christ. You see, we're being restored into the image of God. Our hard drives are being repaired. Our hearts are being repaired supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul talks about in Ephesians 4.24. We put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in what? In true righteousness and holiness. Now, we're not going to be sinless until Christ returns. But as the Holy Spirit helps us to see our parents in a new light, as the Holy Spirit lifts the veil from our eyes, we're being transformed as children who honor mom and dad without idolizing them. We are being transformed into children who honor mom and dad, even if they failed us. And it is the Holy Spirit who shows us how to do that in true righteousness and holiness. You see, I can't tell you how to honor your parents, but the Holy Spirit will teach you if you are willing to obey God. The Holy Spirit will help you to honor rather than idolize your parents. The Holy Spirit will teach you uh, how to untie that knot in your stomach. And so honor mom and dad, but not just today. Do it every day to the glory of God. The Holy Spirit is gonna show you how if you are willing to obey God. Honor them no matter who they are and do it because of who you are. You are a child of God who wants to bring honor and glory to God. Amen. Let's pray.